from uh, about 15 years on up, uh, a great deal of my thoughts were uh, basically unshareable. We are all evil in some form or another. Yes, I am not 100%, but I am evil. My mother was a, a sick, angry, hungry, and very sad woman. I hated her, but I wanted to love my mother. This is Serial Killing, a podcast. Hello and welcome to Serial Killing, a podcast, where we also veer off the serial killer path to delve into other topics within our beloved true crime community. I want to say a special thanks to some of my patrons, Nanette, Emily, Gabrielle, Two Emmas, Galen, Cassandra, David, John, and my girl Judy. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Now I'm going to go ahead and put my disclaimer, disclaimer down on the table right now. In this podcast, we will be discussing the Marquis de Sade. This goes without saying that there will be heavy sexual themes to this podcast. So if you think that it's going to upset you or trigger you in any way, you can skip this one. It's perfectly fine. We will still be friends, okay? You will not hurt my feelings at all. And another side note is that I took a year of French in high school. But that was many, many moons ago, and I did not retain much of any of it, so I'm going to butcher a lot of names and words in this podcast, so I apologize ahead of time. I mean no disrespect. So, Dunassian Alphonse Francois Marquis de Sade was born on June 2nd, 1740 in Paris, France. So let's get into some history for that time. And just for general information, this was also a leap year. So, King Frederick II of Prussia ended his reign of torture and guaranteed religion and freedom of the press. Ivan VI became the Tsar of Russia. Great Britain declared war on Spain. English evangelist George Whitefield preached to 30,000 people in Boston during the Great Awakening. Jewish people were being sentenced to life in prison in Lisbon, Portugal, and expelled from Little Russia by order of Tsarina Anne. The Dutch governor general of the time allowed the murder of 8,000 Chinese inhabitants of Batavia. Caspar Wistar began glass manufacturing in New Jersey this year. Andrew Bedford published the first American magazine and Benjamin Franklin's General Magazine was also beginning to be published. And finally, Alexei Chirikov sighted land in southeast Alaska and then sent men ashore, making them the first Europeans to visit Alaska. So as you can see, this was quite a long time ago. But let's get into it. Now, I'm going to refer to the Marquis de Sade as just Sade for the sake of continuity. His father was Jean-Baptiste Francois Joseph, Count de Sade, and was a diplomat in the court of Louis XV. His mother was Marie-Eleanor de Mail de Carman, who was a cousin and lady-in-waiting to the Princess of Conde. 
So those who might not know, a lady-in-waiting is sort of a female personal assistant, if you will, to a royal or high-ranking noble woman. But she would still hold an incredibly high status. Together, John and Eleanor had three children. Caroline, who died when she was only two years old, then Saad, and finally Marie-Francois, who died in infancy. Saad was their only surviving child to reach adulthood, and he was born into extreme privilege. His family was indeed a very old and noble one. Now, his father was kind of a workaholic, but most sources kind of described him as a... Now, his father was kind of a workaholic, and most sources sort of refer to him as abandoning the family when Saad was still very young and after his mother left and joined a convent. It is said that his father was, at that time, considered a disgrace to the family because he was bisexual. Now, Saad was born into a strictly Catholic family, of course, and was tended to by servants who basically bent to his every whim. He was quite spoiled and was described as having a rather bad temper that kind of followed him his whole life. One story from his childhood was when he was around five years old, he got into a physical altercation with the French prince of the time and Saad beat him so severely that he was sent to the south of France to be raised and educated by his father's brother, Saad's uncle, the abbot de Saad. Now, his uncle was, in fact, a rather high-ranking Catholic priest described as erudite and libertine. Now, erudite meaning that he showed great knowledge. He was highly intelligent. And libertine, well, that means someone who behaves without moral principles or a sense of responsibility, most often when it comes to sexual matters. They also often reject accepted opinions with regards to religion, though I doubt his uncle really followed that. And this, of course, would be pretty representative of the abbot. Now, Saad learned quite quickly that not all men of the cloth took their vows of celibacy seriously. In fact, The abbot had a mistress that lived in the chateau with him. She also had her daughter living there with him, and I'm not entirely sure if the daughter was the abbot's biological daughter, but it doesn't really matter because either way, he was sleeping with her too. Now, seeing his behavior instantly gave Saad a negative view of religion that he retained his entire life. He actually went on to fully hate the church and said that it was all just complete nonsense, nothing more than fairy tales to scare people into complete obedience. Now, Saad spent his years from five years old to around 10 years old with his uncle being educated in the usual suspects, along with debauchery, though some sources say that he was enduring this all the way to the age of 14. It is said that the abbot retired around the same time that Saad left his uncle because his mistress had in fact died. Saad was then sent to a private Jesuit school for four years. And again, Saad was already very much anti-religion and his behavior got him in a lot of trouble. 
His punishments were usually heavy corporal punishment, namely flagellation, which is flogging or beating as a form of discipline. He was also often given this form of discipline publicly with many other students or other people watching. This act would be something he was obsessed with for the rest of his life. So after completing four years at this school, he joined the king's military and his aristocratic family lineage entitled him to much higher ranks. And while in the military, he was part of the Seven Years War, which was from 1756 to 1763. It was a global conflict that was known as the French and Indian War in the United States. England had officially declared war on France while the French, British, and Spanish fought over territories in the New World. And then at the same time, Frederick the Great of Prussia was also warring with France, Austria, Russia, and Sweden. Now, from time to time, in his last few years of schooling and some during the war, Saad had many affairs with many women and the vast majority of them were sex workers. He was described as having, quote, a passionate temperament which made him eager in the pursuit of pleasure but had a good heart, unquote. But rumors of the level of sexual perversion he inflicted upon these women began to spread. For the most part, this was kind of excused away as the indulgence of the very rich young man and for the most part ignored. But his father, who had heard of his son's behaviors, started becoming a bit desperate to see his son settled down before he ruined his reputation forever. And that's pretty much his childhood, so let's take a look. Now, we know that Saad was born into extreme privilege and played with the then-prince at a very young age. But his father was all but disgraced for being bisexual. Now, back in the 18th century, that word didn't mean what it does today. Back then, it was kind of an umbrella term for someone born with both sex organs, hermaphrodite and androgyny. I couldn't find exactly what was going on with his father, but regardless, it was frowned upon. He basically abandoned his wife and very small son to constantly travel as a diplomat in political affairs. Now, Saad's mother also abandoned him at a very young age, choosing to join a convent. So he was sent to live with and be educated by his uncle, who was a priest. His uncle was having a sexual relationship with a woman, as well as that woman's daughter, which is strictly taboo for a Catholic priest and just taboo all over the place. And we know that young Saad was exposed to this highly sexualized relationship. Now, very young children are particularly likely to be distressed or upset by early overexposure to sexual situations. This, of course, would have been Saad's initial exposure to sex education. The earlier the exposure, the stronger the permissive sexual attitudes as well as first-time sexual experience. This early exposure can influence a young person's expectations about sex, including what they can expect their partners to be into and vice versa. 
According to the Australian Institute of Family Studies, quote, gaps between expectations and reality can produce sexual uncertainty about sexual beliefs and values and may also be related to sexual dissatisfaction, anxiety, and fear. The intensity of the exposure may reinforce double standards of an active male sexuality and passive female receptacle, unquote. Studies have shown that this also is associated with stronger beliefs in gender stereotypes, particularly in males. They are often more likely to view women as sex objects and hold sexist attitudes toward females. Too early exposure also tends to strengthen attitudes supportive of sexual violence, sexual preoccupation, compulsions, and addiction. And let's not forget that Saad's uncle's behaviors as a supposed man of the cloth forever turned him off of religion. Saad spoke about the hypocrisy of it all his entire life after, actually. So, when he was sent to this private Jesuit school, he already had some preconceived ideas about what sex actually was, which were askew for the times, to say the least. And then he was flogged and beaten on his rear end somewhat frequently as punishment for ill behavior. Now, one has to wonder if he acted up on purpose, you know, because this particular act of discipline would be most certainly sexually arousing to him in his prepubescent years. And then he went into the military, but with very privileged posts due to his family ties with royalty and wealth. As he was becoming a grown, young man, his sexual appetite was pretty well established, and this did not escape his father's attention who did not want the same fate for his son as the kind he had had for himself. So let's get back into it. Saad left the military after the war. As his father had become concerned, he began a campaign to find Saad a rich wife, someone of a comparable social standing, not to mention Saad spent money with wild abandoned and he had actually decreased their financial holdings drastically. Saad had actually dated a rich magistrate's daughter, but his father would not hear of that union. But his father was successful in finding a suitable young woman by the name of Renée Pelagie de Montreux, I can't say her name, and it turned out that they were actually quite fond of each other, and many sources say that he was in love with his wife as much as he could be. However, within the first few months of marriage, he was already having an affair with an actress and invited many sex workers back to his little house, as he called it, which of course was beyond any mansion we've ever known, and then subjected them all to every manner of sexual abuses. He actually delighted in carrying out his deepest, darkest sexual fantasies. And so began Saad's life as a libertine, procuring sexual partners of both genders in his castle. Some of his partners would later complain that he abused them pretty severely, which was enough to put him under surveillance by the authorities. He would get caught, get arrested, get released, rinse and repeat. 
One such example would be a woman he forced to incorporate Christian crosses into his sexual acts, not only using the crosses in very untoward manners, but he would also demand that she say that God wasn't real and other such very blasphemous things, and would still be really considered that even today. Now, once the woman was able to escape that environment, she went to the police and told them that he had forced her to do and say these things. He was promptly arrested and imprisoned, but then was just released shortly after. This, of course, did nothing to deter his attitudes and acts of sexual depravity. Now, together, Saad and his wife had two sons and one daughter, But he also, quite openly, was having an affair with his wife's sister, which he took traveling with him. And while his wife did love him, she did grow tired of his antics, but divorce really wasn't much of an option, and it was extremely difficult. Then in 1768, the 28-year-old Saad was approached by a, quote, widow beggar asking for money. He said he would hire her and pay her for her services. She was under the impression that those services meant being a housekeeper. Oh, how she was very wrong. Now back at his castle, he, quote, ripped her clothes off, threw her on a couch, and tied her by the four limbs, face down so that she could not see behind her. He then whipped her made small incisions into her bottom and then dripped melted wax into them, unquote. Now she was later examined and had no such cuts and Saad stated that he had simply put ointment on the welts that he had put on her from her whipping. Regardless, once she got away, she threatened to turn him in. His mother-in-law of all people attempted to pay the woman for her silence, but the damage to his reputation was already done. He was sentenced to the fortress near Lyon for his offenses. Once he was released, he returned to his chateau. In 1772, he traveled to see if he could round up some money because he was pretty far in debt at this point. While out, he told his male servant to go round up some sex workers, to which he did. Saad, of course, had his way with them, committing his usual sexual excesses. And his male servant also engaged in these acts with Saad and the women. This would, in today's terms, be considered a group orgy, and these women were into it, at least at first. Now, Saad had made available these sort of candies that had been laced with an aphrodisiac known as Spanish fly. Later, the woman began complaining of stomach pains and were just convinced that they had been poisoned. So Saad and his male servant took off, but they were caught and arrested and sentenced to death. But they escaped. So he again went back to his castle and he rejoined his wife, who finally gave in and began to partake in his sexual excesses. Employees of the couple complained of being fondled and constantly molested to the point that they would have to quit, so they had an ever-rotating staff. In 1774, the now 34-year-old Saad reportedly caught and kept six small children, five girls, and one boy for six weeks. 
It is said that he subjected them to all manner of abuse, and his wife did nothing to stop him. This, of course, makes him a pedophile. Now, the parents of these children complained, and Saad was forced to flee to Italy. During this time, he began to write, and in 1776, when the United States colonies declared their independence from Great Britain, Saad returned to his home, hired more servant girls who soon began to escape him, but he did continue to write. Now, eventually, his wife's mother, his mother-in-law, had had enough. She had Saad arrested and put in prison in 1781. He proclaimed that he was, quote, an unjust victim of his reputation and others' hatreds, unquote. He continued to write, and Marquis de Sade translator Richard Seaver said in an interview that he would have never been the writer that he became had he not been imprisoned. Now, Marquis de Sade actually wrote several works, including, quote, The 120 Days of Sodom, unquote, which, side note, 50 pages in, and I was thoroughly scandalized and also disgusted due to the constant mention of children. There's even a section about 600 ways that you can, quote, have your fill with people, young and old, male and female, singularly, or in groups. It's quite something, and very disturbing, and yet fascinating, well past what is still outside of the sexual experimentalists. Now, this particular work he wrote in very teeny tiny handwriting on a very long scroll, said to be 39 feet or 12 meters long. It is said that this work in particular remained unfinished and he had to hide it in a cell wall. In his writings, you get the sense of complete claustrophobia, his hidden tunnels and dungeons. You can tell that him being imprisoned was making him quite mad. And yet, his life in prison was a life of luxury, never mistake it. When he was transferred to Bastille, described as a four-star hotel of prisons, he was allowed to bring with him his pets, expensive wall hangings, musical instruments, and so on. And then after years there, he began to put on quite a lot of weight, actually becoming quite obese or described as quite obese. And yet he continued to write. He supposedly wrote a very scandalous pamphlet against Napoleon himself. Saad wrote novellas, tales, short stories, all later published. So the last few days before the French revolutionaries stormed Bastille in 1789, he took some kind of tube from his chamber pot, his toilet, and used it as sort of a megaphone and shouted out of a window, quote, they are massacring the prisoners, you must come and free them, unquote. And then he spent the last part of his life at Sherrington Insane Asylum. His repeated protests had zero effect on Napoleon, who decided to see to it that Saad had no freedom of movement, and yet he managed to keep sort of an affair going on with a 13-year-old girl, the daughter of someone who worked at his asylum. 
Saad was also able to put together plays that he was able to get the other prisoners to act out. I mean, Lord knows what that was. And then he had begun to write a 10-volume novel when he died in 1814 at the age of 74. He had spent around 32 years of his adult life in and out of various prisons and asylums. He did, in fact, leave a will instructing that his body was not to be autopsied under any circumstances. His body was to be left for 48 hours in his chamber before promptly being buried. His wishes were not followed. His skull was removed for examination after he had been buried, and his son had all of his remaining unpublished works burned, including the novel that he had begun to write that was unfinished. Now, of course, as you can imagine, his descendants were so scandalized by his life of sexual excess and the reputation he had left them all with that they all but pretended that he did not exist. He was not to be discussed. And then in the mid-20th century, when the Comte Xavier de Sade took up the title again and began showing interest in his ancestors' works. In fact, Xavier had not even known of the Marquis de Sade until the late 1940s when he was asked for an interview by a journalist. The family has actually continued to learn and be proud of their ancestor. An interview with one of them brought up that they are beginning to actually put together even a wine under Saad's name. So, Saad wholeheartedly believed that society and their rules were a construct to suffocate what humans wanted naturally, the weak attempting to control the strong. He was well aware of his privilege and felt that he should have been completely free to explore all manner of sexuality and acts. Many experts described themselves as both disgusted and fascinated by Saad and his philosophies. But make no mistake, though he was a revolutionary of his time with regards to sexual freedom, and we all hail that, he was most assuredly a rapist and a pedophile. And, of course, sexual sadism disorder is named after Saad. It is defined as experiencing sexual arousal in response to extreme pain, suffering, or humiliation done non-consensually to others as described by Saad himself. Now, of course, today we think of this as being between consenting adults. A simple Google search will give you the complete list of his available works, and they're pretty much all on Amazon and super cheap if you're interested. Just remember that while some of it is quite stimulating and fun for exploration and ideas, there are aspects of his writing that are, at least for me, completely unacceptable. It is said that Saad made the argument that everyone should embrace atheism, reject society's beliefs about pleasure and pain, and that if he committed any crimes while seeking true pleasure, then it cannot be condemned. So, was he a depraved monster or misunderstood genius? What do you think? Leave me a comment down below for the video or DM me on Instagram at Serial underscore Killing or 
You can email me at SerialKillingInstagram at gmail.com. And as always, thank you so much for listening because I know you could be listening to anyone else, but you chose me and I really appreciate that. Have a great day.